Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Good morning, New Life. We're so happy that everybody is with us this morning. Greet somebody while you guys are still standing. I know we just got done walking around, but I want you guys to go ahead and do all that jazz. Ooh, there we go. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this. We're going to go ahead and pray and then uh, go from there. God, we just thank you for today that as we are continually growing and developing as uh, men and women of God, that God, you continue just to pour out who we are supposed to be, who we are trying to uh, ascertain as not one of people in our own strengths and understanding, but God, we just thank you that we are going with who you say that we are. And we just welcome you in this place. Today, Holy Spirit, we ask that you not just uh, recite things that I have learned, but God, I just thank you that we are going through specific words for today in each one of our lives. God, help me uh, to articulate the things that you have placed in my heart that can be not only just understood, but captured, ran with in your name. Amen. God's good. I'm excited about today. Uh, I uh, am here today, and I'm tired. Anybody else tired? Like, you ever just, you have no reason to be tired, but you're tired? I have a reason to be tired. About 2 o'clock this morning, my son decided that, you know, he was going to come banging on my door like he was the police um, because he thought he was going to throw up. And I don't know about you, but when you are gone asleep, and all of a sudden you hear, pow, 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 dad, and you sit up, your heart is go time. I'm reaching for weapon. I mean, like, it's, 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 it, we're ready to roll. And then he's like, I'm like, what's the problem? I feel like I'm going to throw up. I was like, me too now. Like, this is ridiculous. Golly. And so as he is, thanks, Dad. As he is trying to calm down, he's in that half awake, half asleep thing. But now I'm fully awake. So I get him to the bathroom. I get him to, to ready. Of course, as you can imagine, he never actually throws up. And then he just wants to get in my bed and then proceed to turn the TV on full blast. Of which I realize he's still asleep through this whole thing. And now I'm like, well, thanks, because I'm awake. And now you've got me hooked on this cartoon, and I need to figure out how it's going to end. So not much sleep last night. Uh, so I'm going to be having a cup of coffee while we speak today. Uh, but let's go ahead and go through this. I, I, I was walking, uh, I was talking to my pastor about what God placed on my heart today. And I was listening to somebody who said that talk is cheap and dreaming is free. And I realized that's just not true. Not true at all. You can talk, but dreaming is expensive. Every dream you have, whether from the Lord or from the world, costs you something. And the most valuable resource is not your money, it's your time. Maybe y'all need some coffee today too. Come on, somebody. We're going to be walking through this today. The dreams and gifts of God, if you will, are not guaranteed, but we have to pay the price. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous verses says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. He has plans for your life. He has ideas for your life. Everything that we should have and will be, he has already written down before you were even part of this world. He knows every aspect, not just the hairs on your head, but every move that you are supposed to be making. And can I tell you 
there's an antithesis to every God idea. And the antithesis is, for I have plans for you, says the world. They've got their own plans. And I feel like a lot of times we go through this thing and we think that the world's system and the world's plans are to get us addicted to drugs, to have us in jail, to commit some major crimes, to have all of these horrible things, which are very, very unfortunate and life-altering things. But can I tell you the vast majority of us, the world's plans are that you are mediocre. The enemy doesn't care that you go to church, and he doesn't care that you particularly read your Bible every once in a while. He cares that you don't fulfill your God-given destiny and your God-given goals and the God-given dreams he's placed inside of you. That's what he's scared of. He's not scared that you raise your hands and that you clap. He's not scared that you read your Bible. He's not petrified that you can go through the religious motions. What he's petrified of is that you have an awakening inside of who you are, of who God had created you to be. That's his fear. And so when we use this terminology that good is the enemy of God's best, what I'm saying here is that the enemy wants to make sure that you're just okay. At this moment in our lives, and this is not a Arminian or Calvinistic statement about once saved, always saved, but at this moment in most of our lives, we are going to die and go to heaven, and it's over for him. His fear is that you'll make an impact. We were playing, I was at uh, the Marvel's house the other day, and they have this game that's similar to like cornhole, but it's like got this string, and you have to toss these things, and it wraps around these different poles. But it's the same concept as cornhole, where if, if I hit a three-pointer, and then you hit a three-pointer, they cancel each other out for no points. And I realized that as we're playing this game, we got to this level, we weren't trying to win, we were just trying to cancel out what everybody else was doing. And I realized that's kind of the enemy's thing because you've already hit that big ring. You've already done the greatest miracle of all time, which is leaving our darkness into the light. And now from the rest of the game, he's just trying to cancel you out. He's just trying to get you to be nil, trying to get you to stay mediocre, trying to get you to stay exactly where you are, to be okay with being okay. But can I tell you that there's always a price that you're going to pay when you're dreaming? There's always a price. And the most deceitful thing is that we have this picture in our heads that there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on one shoulder, and the angel's like, do good, and the devil's like, do bad. But that's, no, that's not the case. How many of you guys today were like, you know what, or this past weekend when you were at Walmart, I'm tempted of bringing a gun and robbing the place? No, nah, no hands. Colin, that's creepy. No, I just, I just, <laughs> no, no hands. There's not like this walking through and going, man, that's, that bread's expensive. Might as well just shoot the joint. Like, that's never a thought in our minds. But you know what is a thought in our minds? What's the least amount of effort that I can put through life to get what I want? The second thing is, what do I want? See, the things that we're missing is when we use these things about goals and dreams, we are so narcissistic. We think it's our goals and our dreams. And the moment that you have a goal and the moment that you have a dream, you are, co you are coordinating with the system of this world. Come on. It has to be his goals and his dreams. Because my goals are selfish. 
My goals are to have a house on the beach and have everybody leave me alone. Anybody that had that thought? My goal is when I drive through a Georgia or a Mississippi or a Florida is to hit that lottery and be like, Psh. bye, y'all. Get an island somewhere. Eat coconuts. And you know what would be great? That would be an amazing way to live your life. Comfortable, secluded from any kind of issues, making zero impact in society. Because my dreams and my goals are about me. Let's talk about that today. Is it a God idea or is it a good idea? Is what we go to. I asked this this past week on uh, my Facebook and Instagram, and these are a couple things that I got. A, a, a dream is something, these are comments, that will make, I will make happen, and a good idea is probable it will just stay an idea. Somebody else said a good idea is something that's clever that someone came up with. A dream is something that someone deeply desires, someone aspires to. Somebody said a dream is something that can make you excited while ideas will fade after Taco Bell. Uh, somebody else said a dream causes you action while an idea causes you to speak. These are what people are looking at with dreams and ideas in our world. So if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to go through two large portions of Scripture, but relatively quickly. All right, 1 Samuel 16. We're going to go 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17. Very, very famous passages of Scripture for anybody who's gone through it. But I'll let you guys catch up for time's sake. Now the Lord said to Samuel in verse 1, uh, How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Now go, fill your horn with oil, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, because I have chosen a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go when Saul hears about this? He's going to kill me. But the Lord says, take a cow with you and say, I'm coming to sacrifice to the Lord. And then you're going to invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you shall do. And you will anoint for me the one whom I designated for this land. God has a weird idea that it's about him. That he is God. Somehow or another, in my world, I'm talking to Pete, not you, because you don't have this problem. Sometimes I feel like I am what's important. That I feel like it should be about my dreams and my desires and my wants. That I should pick who, if I was Samuel, well, God, I know. I know what would be good for these people. I know what's the best thing for the, I mean, I'm living here. I know it. I'll find the guy. I'll do what I think is best. But God says, no, I will let you know whom I pick. You just do what I tell you to do and when I tell you to do it. And he said, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is standing before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or his height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God doesn't see as man sees, but God looks at, man sees and looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse then called Abinadab. And he went through all of these men. Go to verse 12. So he sent a word and brought in David. Now he, David, was reddish with beautiful eyes and handsome in appearance. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David that day forward. 
And Samuel set out and went. Now pause for just a moment. This is the first time in history that we're seeing this idea of a man named David right here. Now we have read earlier that his brothers were huge, monstrous men, great on the outward. And then we think, Veggie tells, that David, you know, was just a little guy. But you know, it's interesting that when you are six foot four standing next to seven foot one people, you're a little guy. But you're still six foot one. Six foot four, that's a big dude. David, in this concept, is being brought to the scene, and it says this that David gets anointed, and the Spirit of the Lord, I love that phrase, rushed upon him. How do you know it's a God dream? You weren't thinking about it, but it rushed upon you. David didn't wake up that morning and be like, I'm going to be king today. He had no concept of that. He didn't even know they were looking for a king. Saul is the king. David didn't have this thing his entire life where he's born going, I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. I've got this. There's nothing that he lows through and goes, this is my gig. I'm the one in charge. Saul, enjoy it while you're keeping my seat warm, but I'm coming. No, what happens is, is David is doing what David does and the Lord rushed upon him. And what happens a lot of times in our lives is that we are just minding our own business, doing our own thing, living our lives, paying our taxes, working hard, having our families, and all of a sudden something rushes upon you. And that's what happens when the Spirit of God's uh, destiny, dream, and visions come upon you. It rushes in and you go, hey, 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 something's got to change. The Spirit of the Lord left Saul, went into David, and Saul's troubled. He's freaking out. He's losing his mind. And all of a sudden, one of his servants says, Saul, hey, let's get somebody here that can play an instrument and soothe your spirit. Saul's like, fantastic idea. The servant speaks up here in verse 18. One of the young men responded and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician. Now, that sounds great, but he wasn't playing in the bars. How did he hear him? He wasn't doing gigs. He wasn't traveling the world. And he's like, hey, I got this new CD. Check it out. A valiant, mighty man. Look at this next phrase. A man of war. Prudent in speech and eloquent. An attractive person and the Lord is with him. How can David be a man of war when he's a wee little guy? We have this idea that David was a nobody. But people were watching. What, what happens when there's an issue in our world today? Does your name pop up for the answer? When there's a problem at the office and no one knows what to do and there's chaos, does everyone stop and go, hey, hey, let's ask Bill. When everything is going haywire and everything is going crazy, does everybody's time out, hey, hey, I know the spirit of the Lord is on Daryl. Let's see what he's got to say. Or are we the ones running around adding fuel to every single fire that's going on? David was the answer, and it was so obvious that somebody looks at the king and says, hey, I've got an idea. And the idea that Saul doesn't know that Samuel has anointed somebody is a joke. Samuel knew He, in fact, said, God, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. In other words, 
God, he's got eyes everywhere and he's going to know what I'm doing. You don't think there was some ruckus after that sacrifice and all of his sons go through and they all get rejected? You don't think any of them were a little salty? That somebody in town didn't hear that gosh, Samuel's old, he lost it. Look at me, I'm huge. And they picked David. You don't think that they were talking? So this guy goes, hey, 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 not only do I have a skillful musician, a man of war, a good looking guy, that's also your replacement. Let's bring him in. So it came to pass as David would play, the spirit would leave Saul. And Saul would feel relieved and become well. You know you're a man of God or a woman of God when the people that are trying to kill you feel relieved in your presence at the same time. Write this down. Dreams become a reality by a series of small wins. It's a series of small things. David, we find out in the next chapter when he goes to fight Goliath, he looks at Saul and says, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. David was watching his father's sheep and he had his small wins of killing a lion and killing a bear to help him think he could take down a giant. But sometimes it's the small decisions of being where you're supposed to be that sets you up for the big wins of your life. If David would have told his dad afterwards, you know what, dad, I just got anointed king, so how about you get me some drinks? I want some grapes, uh, like some bread. Can you go kill one of them? I'm hungry. I'm going to be, you know, start showing some respect. I'm not going back in that field again. If David would have taken a position of an attitude of I am better than my current circumstance, he never would have been in the field to fight a lion and to fight a bear. Sometimes it's not the big things. It's the small decisions that God's with. It's the everyday small things that we do with a spirit of excellence that creates us to have a moment of projecting into who we're supposed to be in life. For years in life, I, I, by choice, I was over 200 pounds. I say by choice because no one put a gun to my head and, and told me to eat chocolate cake. It's just something that I did. The crazy thing is that I would eat and I would look at myself and go, I should lose some weight. I should lose some weight. I should really stop losing weight, but that's some really good peanut butter pie, so I'm going to keep eating this pie. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm hitting that, that thing. And a lot of times we, we feel in our minds that for me to lose a pound of fat, I need to cut out a pound of food. But how many of you understand that your body does not work in that way? It doesn't, a pound of food is not equal. For instance, a, a pound of celery is 64 calories. A pound of olive oil is 4,000 calories. In our minds, we think, I ate a pound, I gained a pound. But your body goes, a pound of celery is nothing, nothing. But a pound of olive oil, whew, you put on some weight. In the world that we live in, for you to healthily gain one pound of weight every single week, you need to increase your calories by 3,500 every week. On average, that's 500 calories a day. So if you have a 2,000 calorie diet and you want to gain one pound, you need to eat 2,500 calories. Are you with me? This is how you gain weight, and this is how you lose weight. 
I understand I don't have a glandular problem or any other issues that cause me. I'm just I'm speaking very generally, very normalized. Nothing is wrong. I'm healthy. Everything is great. This is how I do my things. But for me to gain a pound of weight by eating celery, celery I need to eat 39 pounds of celery a day. Or three quarters of a pound of oil. It's the small things that add up big. In my life, weight was a choice. And our dreams are the same things. If you want to lose weight tomorrow, it's based on what you eat today. My actions for today will determine what I am in 10 years. Dreams are not about neglecting the normal days. David knew that his attitude and his circumstances would affect his, determine his effectiveness. And yes, there are hindrances to God's goals. And yes, there are issues that want to arise. And yes, there's issues. And David did fight a lion. And David did fight a bear. And those are legendary things. If I fought a lion and I fought a bear, I, oh my word, I, I would make t-shirts. I'd have my YouTube channel. Like it, you would all know. But I think for David, the greatest fights were when there was no fights. For David, the biggest victories in his life were the rainy, cold days watching his dad's sheep, being bored, knowing he was anointed for greatness. The lion, the bear, that's cool. But watching sheep, that's a Tuesday. Nothing cool happens on Tuesdays. Years ago, I was at my mom and dad's house, and I decided to go for a run. And as I'm running, I hit that wall. If, you, if you're a runner, you know, you hit that wall where you just, your heart is exploding, your lungs are on fire, you can't feel your legs. It's just, it's there. For some people, it's five miles or ten miles. This day, it was like a quarter of a mile. Um, and I'm running, and I'm out of gas. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? If you hit that wall, you're out of gas. You have nothing left in the tank. You know you're done. And you're like, you're slowly winding down your jog. From a run to a jog to a fast walk. And I'm, I can feel like those old RC cars when you put the batteries in, they, you know, they're going down. And then I heard this noise that's so familiar, uh, a noise that most of us know, and it's the sound of a Rottweiler who sees me. And I'm jogging, I see this Rottweiler, and I'm like, oh, it's a Rottweiler. Now, I'm not afraid of dogs. I love dogs. They're great. But I've watched a Rottweiler take down a cow. And at that time, I'm 200 pounds, but I'm no cow. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. <laughs> and I was Forrest Gump. I was running. Like, I, I just, I took off so fast. Can I tell you? David's lion and David's bear was a moment of survival and instinct that happened. He didn't think about training to fight this bear. He's not outside punching tree branches, getting ready to fight the bear. No, that's not what he's doing. He was living his life, doing a normal day. And then a bear came because he was in the right place. In that moment in my life, I ran faster than I've ever ran in my entire life before because I needed to. But can I tell you, that's not normal. I can't run like that every day. I wish I could, but I can't. Maybe I should get a dog just to like, release, and I'll, and I'll burn some extra calories and be good to go. No, but that's the thing. That's, that's what we're looking at. See, in our lives, we think destiny and God's dreams are these big bear moments. Are there these big lion moments? They're these big Goliath moments, but you know what they are? They're the Tuesdays. 
It's the Thursday when you're bored out of your mind, but you're determined to focus on what you need to focus on. It's when everybody else is calling in sick to go to the beach, and you're like, no, I'm going to stay here because it's the right thing to do. It's making sure that you're on time even though your boss isn't there. It's making sure that everything is doing normal processes in the right direction, even if no one will ever see. His dad didn't have cameras all over the fields, radioing in. Uh, David, where are you at right now? There's a bear eating a lion, uh, you know, eating, eating sheep. I'm on it, Dad. When I tell you no one would know if David was taking a nap, no one would know. But David did. We asked, why was David a man after God's own heart? Because he was a worship leader. That's not true. He was a man of integrity who had his eye on the prize. It's the small things. But here's the thing is if a dream is not worth having, it's not worth having because it's not worth going through the process. If you're willing to go through a process, you're willing to fight for it, it's a dream that you're worth having. In 2009 to 2019, I had determined that I was going to lose 30 pounds, and I guarantee you I lost 300. I'd lose five pounds, put on six. But I guarantee you I lost 300 pounds. My problem wasn't the abilities to lose weight. It was the consistency in the process to make the right decisions at the right times. But one thing I've learned is that God doesn't need the huge moments. Typically in our lives, huge moments that we think of are moments that affect us, and they're great for either good or for bad. But we live our lives based on average days. And it's these average days that culminate into a great life. David, I love this, after he slays Goliath, it says this, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. These are rudimentary instruments. These are children's instruments. These are not meant to be instruments of war. Saul, at the time, is not being like, put down your swords, guys. We're going with, you know, slingshots. Who needs a shield? We'll just sling some rocks. No, but I think what we're seeing here is that God uses the average things in the hands of somebody who's willing to do the right things for supernatural moments. It would have been a cool verse if and David overcame Goliath by turning into Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat and freezing him from 500 yards away with his ice powers. That's a big day. Yeah. He's like, I didn't even know I could do that, but that's cool. No. It's the small things. It's the slingshots. It's the rocks. It's the readily available. He didn't have special heat-seeking, head-seeking rocks. He just picked up some rocks that were always there. We don't need these big, huge, monumental job moments for God to touch and to make something great. We just need to look around at the rocks that are before us because the rocks in the hands of a mighty man or a mighty woman of God always hit their target. It's understandable that we want these crazy things. But our normal days in the hands of an extraordinary God are the days that matter the most. You can sit down and read the entire Bible cover to cover in 71 hours. On an average speed, this is nothing special, 71 hours. It's got a lot of cool stuff in this Bible, fantastic things. People walk on water, raises the dead, uh, fire falls from heaven, seas stand up. But can I tell you, that's not the majority of the Bible. And when you look at every single story compiled here in this book, and then you take the span of human history from creation to today, this 
is a blip in the radar of the average days of everyone's lives. One of the most powerful verses is the one of the most over, underrated verses, and it's found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Does anybody know that chapter? It's the genealogy of Jesus. Does anybody else, when they, on their Bible reading, they see Matthew 1, and you're like, and scoop. I do. It's, and he begot, and he begot, and he begot, and he begot, and he begot. And can I tell you, Superman's not in there. Batman, that's not in there. These are just normal names from normal people who didn't know that they were doing something extraordinary by living a normal life for God. Because, because they did what they thought was normal, God used their normal lives to use a chain of events to bring in the Messiah into the world. You don't need to have these lion, bear, crazy, giant moments. All you need to do is to wake up every single day and go, God, what is your goal for today? And live your life this day for him. Because you don't know what's going to take place and what's going to come out of you, what's going to happen in your life and in everyone else's lives 5, 10, 15, 20, 1,000 years from now because I guarantee you some of these people didn't get married and be like, and now that they are betrothed, letting you guys know your great, 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 great grandson is going to be the Messiah. Ma'am, you picked the lucky one. I'm sure that wasn't part of the proposal. Hey, you should marry me because we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. They lived their lives guided by God. Sure, they were not the craziest stories that are cool. Those stories are really cool. Love it. Gideon's 300 men. It's a cool story. But they're called supernatural for a reason because they're not natural. But God works in very natural ways in your life. A couple of action steps and then I'm going to let you guys get out of here. Number one, how do we know which is God and which is fantasy? When David goes to fight Goliath, he asks the most important question. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? If something that is happening on the inside of you isn't for other people, it's not from God. If my, if my dreams and my ideas and my wishes and my plans are to benefit myself and myself alone, those aren't God's dreams. I'm not saying that you have to live in poverty to fulfill God's dreams. But I am saying is it's not about you. It's not about me. There are many things in our lives that we can do that can be about us, but God's dreams are about a cause of something taking place. Dreams that come from God always come with a reason. And the reason is not so that I can live on an island far, far away from a lot of people. The reason is that I can set people free and help them fulfill what God has called them to be. If David never would have fought Goliath, he never would have been king. If he never would have been king, he never would have been able to build the temple. If he wouldn't have built the temple, we wouldn't have had a Solomon. You see the progression that goes on. But because he did his dream, it opened the door for the Messiah to come through because he did an ordinary thing with a supernatural God. This is not arbitrary because each individual person needs to see the keys with God are the exact same. God never wants to bless me so that I am blessed. He blesses me so that I can be a blessing. Number two, you got to be specific. Once David knew that he was going to be king, nothing else in the world would have taken away from that for him. If God's called you to Alabama, stop looking for jobs in Chicago. Making your goals specific and not general 
the dreams that God has for you are important to be specific so that they keep us on the right track. Don't just say, I want to get married. What kind of marriage do you want? Don't just say, I want to be a business owner. What kind of business are you looking for? And how many clients do you need? Don't just say, I want to get in shape. What kind of shape do you want to get in? Muscular, skinny, round? Those are all shapes. The next thing is that we have to set these long-range goals. Long-range goals for us, the dreams that we put before us, help us stay on track, especially when things in life happen and deviate. When you're cutting grass and you want specific lines in your grass, you look 50 to 100 yards ahead, and you pick a target, and you walk towards that target. If I'm cutting grass, I'm staring at the exit sign, not here at the stage. As long as I'm staring five feet in front of me, I'll turn around and I'll look like I'm a drunk person on a lawnmower. But if I can look down the road and see where I'm going, it keeps me in line because my eyes always align my body to that target. And this is the thing that we're looking for when it comes to our, the, the dreams that God's placed before us. Know where you're aiming down the road. The Bible tells us that uh, children in the hands are, are, like a, are, are like a quiver in the hands of a, of, a, of a, I'm totally butchering this book. They're a quiver in the, in the arms of an archer being ready to be launched out. Here's the thing. Our dreams are the same way. But what happens is we have a lot of people that are grabbing and doing like the old, uh, what was it, lawn dart game, where they're just tossing them in the air, and we're going to see which direction they're going to go. Uh, my son is big into airsoft guns. And what happens is, is he gets a gun, and he'll shoot, and then go, cow, 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 cow. But that's a lot of our dreams. We're going to see which one makes me the happiest, and I'm going to keep firing until I hear something ding and go, I hit it. I hit it. That was the one. But long-range decisions help us get to where God's got us to be. I was speaking with Rusty uh, yesterday or the day before, two days ago. I don't remember now. And we're talking about the process for somebody becoming, in, at his line of work, uh, being a college student as an intern, and then what happens when they graduate to what happens when they get their CPA exam. Just the process of promotion in their line of work. And he told me something interesting that what happens is, is that when people a lot of times become productive, they'll get picked up or attempted to get picked up by other companies. And it sounds really good for them, too. Hypothetically, I'm picking random numbers out of the air. I make, you know, he, you got somebody working making $40,000, and somebody else comes and says, hey, work for us for fifty. That sounds like a great idea. Sounds great. But the reality is, is that they're not seeing the long-range goals. They're not seeing the distance. Because in five to seven years, they'll still be making that fifty to fifty five thousand dollars. But if they would have stayed with the company that they were with, they could be doubled that same amount. Sometimes in life, we say no today for a bigger yes tomorrow. And the long-range goals that we see help us stay focused. Because I'm going to say no to my chocolate cake today because I don't want to be 31 pounds next six months from now. I want to have the yes uh, for tomorrow. I'm looking for the things that are ahead of us. And what happens is that we get so distracted by the shiny objects of today, we're shooting ourselves in the foot tomorrow. It's like somebody living on our credit cards. It sounds great until that bill comes next month. And then you just spent tomorrow's money today. And what happens a lot of times in our lives is that we're living and wondering why oh, the vision that God has for us isn't coming to pass, the dreams that God has for us isn't coming to pass. It's because we're spending our dreaming money today. Lastly, even though we have long-term dreams, we have to take 
short-term steps to get there. I had a dream to be a college, uh, to get a college degree. Um, anybody who knows about that process, it doesn't happen overnight. Like you just, you don't go on, on, open your computer and be like, congratulations, I'm a college student. It's a process. It's figuring out what your major is, what you want to look for, backing up to figure out which university is the right fit for you, backing up to figure out which exact classes in your schedule, to your books, to your fees, to your FASVA, to app applying. It's all of these things. But you know where it starts? Figuring out the small steps that lead into the big things. But I had a picture in my head of me walking down one day with a diploma in my hand from a university. But it was a lot of small steps to get there. A lot of times it was the, hey, dude, you want to come hang out? I can't today because I'm writing a paper. Hey, man, you want to go play bowling? Sounds great. Sounds like a lot of fun. I got a test I, got, I have to study for. I said no for those things to have a bigger yes down my road. And a lot of times in our lives, the enemy is not concerned about the big, huge sin issues. He's just trying to get you to distract from the shiny things in front of you today. See, we know some of the big things. If all of a sudden the enemy comes to you and says, you should be a drug dealer, probably not. But how can he distract you small things from today to get you the big? I love this story. There's a, a cab driver in New York City. This is a true story where uh, he was driving a lot of these investors back and forth. And he was asking them about how to get rich and how to make money and yada, yada, yada. To which finally one of them said, you got 100 bucks? He goes, yeah. He said, invest $100. He goes, oh, man, what's it going to be worth? He goes, $100. Do you have another $100 next week or next month? I mean, yeah. He goes, invest that one too. Because the idea is, is if you can't invest $100 today, you'll never have a million dollars tomorrow. It's the small things that add up into big moments. Uh, J.C. Penney makes this statement. He said, you show me a, a, a store clerk who has dreams and goals, and I'll show you a future millionaire. You show me a man who has no dreams and no goal, I'll show you a, a future store clerk. The idea here is that we make these small steps to get where we need to be. Sometimes in life that means saying no to a bigger yes today. And I love this idea that God has before us today is this is that the dreams that he places don't happen overnight. And if we're waiting to win the lottery, if we're waiting for these big, huge moments to be discovered, to change the oil of the car of this rich guy, and he goes, I like you, you should work for me. It's never going to happen. You know what's going to happen? Tuesday. Tuesday's going to happen. Those crazy stories that we hear about, watch movies about, they're a movie for a reason. No one's made a movie called Tuesday. The guy where everything happens normally and he, nothing cool ever happens. No. You have to live life understanding that my Tuesday sets up for my dream day. And what am I doing today to see that take place? But before we go through all of those things, that's back to the very, very, very most important part, and that's the very first part. Is it with God? Don't just look around for my selfish ambitions, my pride, my comfort. What do I want when I want? But what is it that God has for us today? Understand that the enemy's biggest thing is not to make you go to hell. It's that you don't bring heaven to earth. 
And today's your day. It's my day for self-reflection. Hey, have I gotten off a track? Have I zigged when I should have zagged? Do I see myself walking down? Have I got caught up in positive thinking with no positive actions? That happens to so many of us. Just think positively. I can think positively about being a brain surgeon, but you're going to die. Positively about an astronaut, I'm going to die. I can think positively about me being the president of the United States. We're all going to die. Positive thinking gets me nowhere if I don't have movement with what's going on. That's why that verse says, faith without works is dead. We have to realize that God wants us to move forward on Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. When you wake up this week, be excited about Tuesday because God's with you this Tuesday. He's for you this Tuesday. When you wake up and nothing is happening, the world's not on fire, John Wick's not banging on your door to get help, there's no dinosaurs or aliens, and you wake up and it's just a normal day in Alabama, understand that my normal day with an extraordinary God sets me up for success. And I'm going to say yes to the small, normal rocks, the small, average things, and give it my all because it's going to push me forward to bring freedom to other people. All of us would love to be a world changer. All of us would love to have be called a difference maker. But it doesn't happen because you just randomly learned how to be a difference maker. It's the small steps in the right direction that lead to a great journey. God, we just thank you for today. That as we wrap this up, that you open our eyes to see, to hear, to be everything that you've called us to be. And that today, God, that you continue to uh, help us uh, see the small things in our lives that we're supposed to be. The areas that we're supposed to change. The things that we're supposed to say yes to. When we're getting tired and just doing well when we're getting weary, that God, you give us strength for the day. That our Tuesdays, that our Wednesdays, that our Thursdays are going to be a day, God, that is going to be changing our lives to set us up for being the men and women that you call us to be. In your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.